1: and our wonderful editor, Julia W.D. Harrison. Lynn Ponton and I, Jennifer Wong, are the executive producers.
0: Yo. There are certain things that I can talk to you about that I can't really with my dad. I don't think we should talk about oh. this. Hello. Uh, this is Lynn of uh, Lynn and Jen, and we're here with an episode of Let's Talk About Sex. And today we're not going to be doing a sex spot. We're going to be focusing on a topic that we've discussed in sex spots, though, and that is sexting. Uh, so it's very, very relevant to recent things going on in the news, but it's also, I think, very uh, important subject for our listeners. Two weeks ago, I had the good fortune uh, to go to the Academy of Child Psychiatry meetings in Chicago. And I was the discussant on uh, an all-afternoon panel on uh, changes in the sexual front, and particularly the area of sexting. And one of the uh, the studies that was most interesting that was presented really looked at the data, you know, across adolescent populations, and showed that uh, 11-year-olds, specifically 11-year-old girls, uh, a high percentage you know, 15 to 20 percent were involved in sexting. And then by the time you get to the later adolescent years at 18, you have about two thirds of both boys and girls sexting, that is sending sexual pictures of themselves or others out there. So it was a a very, uh, it was eye opening to realize that that's happening. Um, they also had the adult stats, which I think our listeners would be interested in. And they're uh, up there. They're 70 percent, I think, of men are sexting and uh, a lower percentage of women. You know, so there's a transition that kind of happens. Young girls sex pictures at a higher rate and men sex more pictures than adult women. So kind of interesting process, even observing that. Um, so that got me started thinking about it. And I came back and you and I talked about it, Jen.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's so much there. First off is to clarify. So this study was by the Journal of the American Medical Association. And so it looked at a lot of bigger, it was able to look at a bigger population in terms of what they found. And one of the things that stuck out to me is that they they say that about one in seven teens report sending a a sext, and that about one in four report receiving them. And I don't think the study itself talked about it, but I wonder how the numbers compare in terms of are the people sending them also the ones receiving them? Or is it that in this case, there are more people receiving them than there are people sending them? So maybe the same thing is being sent to multiple people.
0: Well, I I think it is. I think, uh, you know, having uh, work with teen boys in the office who do sex, they will sect out pictures of themselves or girls that they know to multiple people. It's kind of an invitation. Do you think I'm sexy and take a look at this kind of thing? The other thing I think for parents in the group out there to be aware of is that there are adults pretending to be teenagers sexting sexual pictures out there. And I know this from my legal work in the cases where I testify in court. I was in court yesterday. And um, what was really apparent is that uh, an adult began with an 11-year-old to sext her sexual pictures uh, of himself. And uh, then uh, over a year, he did this before the parents become somewhat aware of it. It was only at the end of that year that she returned a few photos of herself. So I do wonder how many adults are really involved in this process. And that might explain you know, the way teenagers respond to whether or not they're receiving or sending, if adults are part of this equation, really.
1: Right. I mean, I think part of it that is challenging is being able to know who is on the other end, right? Because it's just a photo. And so whereas, like, for example, you and I FaceTiming right now, like, it'd be really hard to impersonate you on the other end. But when you have just a photo, it's it's fairly anonymous and you really don't know who's on the other
0: end. I think that's one of the big concerns and, and teenagers are uh, more adept at sexting and using the phone and knowing this modality than adults are, uh, but they still don't recognize the risk of it, you know, and they believe at face value. Um, this young girl yesterday who was sexted actually thought that the boy sexting her was much younger than he was, so they're more naive. They don't really have the risk assessment tools in this area. But I think it's so important for all of us to realize that a younger population is engaged in sexting and it can be used for positive risk taking, you know, as we've talked about healthy risk taking. Uh, but a lot of it, there's also the potential for dangerous and unhealthy risk.
1: Right. And it's how to kind of navigate the, the differences there. And I think it, it brings into to the conversation things about consent and being honest and being able to assess the risks in in ways that require a new way of thinking because it's a new format for engaging. And so what, what strikes me about it is that because it's such a new arena, it's something that parents and their teens are working through at the same time. So it's not something that parents have more expertise in and then are, are kind of sharing that knowledge with their teen children, it's something that everybody is kind of
0: learning as we're going along. That's exactly right. That's the way I see it, Jen. And there's actually a very good uh, editorial, an op-ed today in the New York Times about this topic. And it's written by a an actress, uh, Amber, and I want to say her name properly, but Amber, I think, uh, Heard is her name. And uh, Uh, She was responding to the Katie Hill, the congresswoman who uh, was involved in sexting and revenge porn last week. And, um, you know, she brings up just what you said, the idea of consent and that it's a privacy violation. And the idea that we would have to consent to exchange of our sexual pictures online is a very important idea you know, that it needs to be out there and really talked about, and it it's part of regulating the internet. You know, I think we can talk about it more directly, uh, you know, but it brings up what takes precedence. We uh, have to consent around our sexual photos, really. Right, that we have the consent around it, and also
1: that I think this this type of privacy, you know, being able to sit down with teens and talk about how this is a privacy violation. I think the other challenge, it sounds like that was brought up within the context of this op-ed is that there there really are no legal precedents for it yet. There's no legal rules put into place for how to deal
0: with these situations. Um, yes, because uh, Miss uh, Hurd was bringing up the point that um, sexting violations are often looked upon as harassment versus a privacy violation. And there's really different uh, rules and conditions that apply uh, depending upon whether or not it's seen as harassment. And this was part of the Miss Katie Hill case. That it was a question: Was it the ex-husband harassing her by sending out revenge porn, or was it really a violation of her privacy? And uh, uh, I think this is something that we're looking at, as you said, with adults and with kids at the same time.
1: Yeah, and I think it's it's a great way of looking at. There, I think it's both. You know, it's obviously a form of harassment, but it also I think that it it being categorized as a violation of privacy makes it something that people see as more severe. And I think people it's important for people to understand the severity of it, particularly working with teens. I know there have been cases where teens have had to leave the school because they were being
0: harassed about
1: the fact that their photos were getting out online and things like that.
0: I I have seen a number of girls, young women, Uh, where that happened, you know, here in the Bay Area. And it's really an issue all over the country. And it often happens to eighth graders, ninth graders, very young girls who then have to leave the middle school or high school that they're in. You know, so it's a a huge problem with very severe consequences because they feel humiliated. Right. Really in front of the world.
1: Well, I think also the idea that it's a violation of privacy is very important because I think some people look at it as, well, you shouldn't have done the photo in the first place. What did you expect to happen? And I think it's really important that we start questioning that expectation. Like why should somebody expect that if they have, if they take a nude photo of themselves, that it's going to be distributed to everybody, you know, that That is a severe violation of someone else's privacy and consent. So I think it's about focusing the conversation on the people who are also distributing these photos, that that is where it becomes a huge problem.
0: Absolutely. You know, there are areas where nude photos are taken. Uh, For example, doctors take photos of naked people. And uh, really, it's very important in uh, our medical records with HIPAA, There's special acknowledgments of this category, that you have to be very, very careful because there's concern uh, that these photos could be passed around. And in medical textbooks, they actually have to get consent. They have to black the face out. There's a whole lot of issues that are involved in that. You know, and this is not what we see in this other arena. Uh, Miss Heard talks about an organization that I'd like to highlight uh for our listeners. It's called the Cyber Civil Rights Initiative, uh, that was formed in 2013 uh by a woman, Miss Jacobs. And I think it's worth looking at that online because it's a group of uh Individuals who are really trying to work together to understand some of these things.
1: Yeah, and that's important. I mean, I think us all coming together to have conversations about taking nude photos is changing the way I think relationships are happening, is changing the way that we're sharing information and changing our sexual lives. And I think it's important not to just look at it from a negative perspective, but also, you know, how could this just be kind of a developmental thing that is shifting because technology is so much more common nowadays, and especially at younger ages. I think the other thing that comes up for me, too, is that when I'm working with a lot of teen girls in particular, they talk about being sent dick pics basically and feeling coerced to send a nude in response and some of the teens i've worked with have sent one back and others have had other skills to be able to not send one but i think there's this question of it being used as a manipulative coercive tactic too
0: um yes uh, i would agree with you the the young woman the case i was working on yesterday with the 11 year old uh, as I said, the older person sent her sexual pictures, dick pics, as we call them, for almost a year before she responded. You know, so again, I think if she had been educated about this process, she might have been able to really come up with something, develop skills, really sexual skills uh, to handle this kind of situation. Um, Her mother... Knew nothing about the internet, about the cell phone, mm-hmm. about anything. So she was kind of out of it around this whole question. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, a lot of these sex, uh, the dick pics, are sent on Snapchat. Yeah, which can be exter- you know, extinguished quite quickly. Right, and uh, you know, sexual abusers are masters really, of using these instant, uh, you know, discovery. Now, the Snapchats can be recovered, as we found in the, you know, the court cases. I talked to a police expert in this area yesterday. Uh, but it's very important, I think, uh, for parents to know that this is going on and to be aware of it and talk with their kids about it. And our kids need to be educated. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's the key is really educating people
1: and and being able to to talk about it in a way that doesn't just shame people involved, but really looks at understanding what is going on and what are the dynamics at
0: play. Yeah. And you bring up, Jen, I think you are really on target when you're talking about sexuality is like a, a revolutionary front in a culture. And there's always changes at the edge and you know, part of the young trans group is on that edge, you know, they're making changes in how we see sexuality, their own and in general. Uh, But I think around sexting, that's one of those other tools where kids have quite a bit more ability and they're using that modality as much if not more than adults are. You know, I mentioned to you my three-year-old grandson, who's an expert at uh, sending out pictures of uh, uh, potties and things he's focused on. And it's, you know, that's, of course, a three-year-old's interest. He likes pictures of bodies. Right. But, you know, uh, it, there are, it's not a not a far jump to see a seven-year-old who might be interested in, in parts of bodies. Right. And be sending out pictures of that. You know, so uh, I think they're going to be there. I think the kids are already there, and I just don't know about it, maybe. You know, that's part of it.
1: Yeah. And I think, so it then becomes, you know, how do you, how do you shape rules around these experiences so that the people involved are having healthy experiences with it? Right. And because if it's already happening, trying to stop it maybe isn't necessarily the best course of action, but really looking at, okay, How can this become a healthy thing? I mean, one thing that sticks out to me, too, is that a lot of the teens that I work with, they talk about, well, you know, there's all these fears around getting pregnant. There's all these fears around, you know, me engaging in physical sex. There's all these fears around getting STDs and STIs. And so I'm still a sexual person. I still want to be able to express myself sexually, but I don't want to engage in these risks. So I also think sometimes that some of these picture sending is a way for them to experience their sexuality without putting themselves in what they see as physical danger.
0: I agree with you. And it really gets to, you know, there was that broad-based category, online sex, but there isn't even yet a word for having sex online,
1: mm-hmm. you
0: know, and um, what that means, that it's a substitute or really a new category yeah, with multiple filming and multiple viewing. And um, I think the kids are there you know, I really do. And, uh, you know, maybe we should do a later episode on this after we've talked to a lot of the kids we work with, because I I think it's interesting how they see it. They do see it differently than we do. I I know that from, you know, the the teens I work with. Well, if you look at the
1: numbers, what's interesting too, is that at least among like millennials and kind of Gen Z, what they're seeing is the numbers are showing that the the age at which they have their first sexual experience is increasing, and that they're also having sex, like physical sex, far less. So they yes. So I, I think I wonder about how all these trends kind of play into each other and whether they are kind of turning to a more visual exchange because it keeps them. Physically safe. But I I then wonder about what about the emotional harm that is done by some of these exchanges if they aren't consensual?
0: I, I too, I, I wonder, you know, I've always thought of our sexual development being fueled by body contact and touching and that aspect of it. And if that's removed and it's about visualizing bodies. You know, it's a different type of experience. Does emotional development take place at the same rate, or is it like watching a pornographic film? You know, it is with another person, and you are having verbal and, uh, you know, auditory input, possibly. Um, But it's a different type of experience, Mm -hmm. and uh, you wonder about how it's going to change our relationships in general.
1: Yeah, definitely. So I think at the very least, it's good that, you know, there are conferences happening where people (laughs) are talking about these things happening. And I think it raises a lot of questions. And for me, that's, That's an exciting thing because it's such a new aspect of sexuality that both adults and teens are figuring out at the same time. And I think it's a great opportunity for collaboration and keeping things instead of in a top-down frame where it's like adults know more. It's really about both, both people kind of sharing their
0: own experiences. And wisdom. And it reminds me of what you've always said, Jen, that it's sex should be more about conversations. Yeah. You know, which is really two people talking and sharing their ideas about it. And that's such an important part of it. Well, thank you so much. We'll sign off today. You had a bit of a cold today, so I wish you well. (laughs) And I hope uh, you get better. And uh, it's always great to talk. I know it's it's so
1: great to talk to you Lynn and I really appreciate you bringing up this topic because I think it'll be really helpful to a lot of our listeners
0: great take care okay Come on.